3: Hello, welcome to Going Off Track. My name is Jonah Bayer.
4: Hi, Jonah
0: Baer. This is Brad Worrell
3: sitting over here. I'm Stephen Smith, the most uninteresting name out of the three <laughs> of us. That is true, but still a very interesting guy. Even Brad's pseudonym is cooler than mine. pseudonym. Brad Goop. Oh, right. Yes, of the great punk rock tradition of all our last names. <laughs> Going back to Question Mark and the Mysterians, where <laughs> all their names were Question Mark and the Mysterians. That was, I mean, that was
0: a real East Village thing there back in the 90s. I mean, maybe the Ramones started it, but it was mainly because you didn't know anybody's fucking last name. It's like, yeah, that's Todd Radek. That's, uh,
4: you know, Todd Youth. Well, That was a big thing, <laughs> that was a, that was a big thing in hardcore, too. Yeah, like you know like Ray of Today or yeah, like, it was just because you didn't know anybody's name the, wor- <laughs> the worst one there was a very obscure hardcore band growing up called Push Too Far and I remember seeing an interview where they called the singer Todd Too Far and I was like this one doesn't really work guys
3: <laughs> the, the Suicide Machines did it I think on their first record where all their last names was Suicide Machines <laughs> which I thought was really funny I like, it like with Derek Suicide Machine
4: <laughs> I like it when they combine them like they call Bill from Silverstein Bilverstein I love it when he does that <laughs> uh, there's a lot of good ones like that um, today's guest just uses a different name that doesn't rhyme with their own name. Nope. Chris Mansfield, otherwise known as Fences. And, uh, he was, I think we met him at one of our live podcasts that Chris Farron did. I think he came. Oh, really? Yeah. I vaguely remember like seeing him there, maybe meeting. And then I think he actually hit us up. Like, I think he, a lot of his friends have been in the podcast and he moved out here and he wanted to do it. So we were emailing for a while. And I know he's worked with Steak Mountain before, and they were friends. So
3: we brought Chris in. And- we brought,
4: yeah, brought Chris mm. Norris. We br- brought in Chris Mansfield. Neither of them use their own names. No. <laughs> and fences uh, and steak. Fences and steak. And this was a pretty cool podcast. I like
3: this one a lot because yeah. it was one of my favorite things. Where I don't pay too much attention to anything anymore. <laughs> kind of resolved to the uh, the the Pat Oswald joke edict, which is it's music I like and music I just don't stuff I don't listen to. Unless it crosses my path, this crossed my path after talking to him. Listen to it; it's damn good. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's pretty it's good. Really, really
4: good. Pretty good. His last <clears throat> album came out in March. Uh, Lesser Oceans, you know, which featured Arrows, featuring Macamore and Ryan Lewis, which we talk about a lot on this episode. That's oh, yeah, good. It's a good story. It's really interesting, especially kind
3: of, if you're a band and in a, in a label thingy. <laughs> a label thingy. Yeah,
4: it's one inter- of those label I'm, things. It's interesting to see how sort of. Yeah, how things kind of worked out and kind of where they're going now. But it seems like he's got like a lot of cool ideas. Like I have a feeling that it, all this stuff was kind of for the Do you ever best. deal with
3: like label stuff and like with, like Love Kill and things? Or, like did you get courted and get some lobster dinners? No.
4: No, never. <laughs> no, never. Not even once. Uh, Jeff put out our first our record on Eyeball. We toured for a year then broke up. And then with United Nations, it was first one was Eyeball. It was, it was always just, just kind of through
3: friends. Mm-hmm. Never courted really. You did that. You went through that, and you you got courted, and then you got signed. Yeah, I always
0: look at it as like the best. It's the best time in a band's career because, like, you still got that like indie kind of all for one, one for all. You're still like everything's still fun, and then but you've got all these fucking bigwigs like taking you out to dinner, and yeah, and we didn't. We had a really good lawyer, and we actually didn't like we like didn't. We didn't start a bidding war like a lot of bands did. We kind of knew what we wanted to do, but we still like let people take us out. We stole a limo one time when we were on tour with Sam I Am. We were there. We were in L.A. for the Grammys, and like a guy from MCA, like took was took us to one of the parties in his limo, and he's like, "Um, I guess I should be nice to you guys because I know we're trying to sign you or something like that." End. This so guy sounds sh- like he sucks. <laughs> he did. He
3: did. So, so you shit in his limo. So, <laughs> so he we took so it. He capsized. It. No, so we we, we, <laughs> went, we went to this
0: we went to this party. We acted like we were going to the party with him, and then uh, he got out with his date. And we said we'll be right there. And then we took the limo and got rides home back to our
4: hotel.
3: That's awesome. Fuck you, MCA. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: I feel like I get quartered in different. Like I've never really been quartered with my bands, but I do feel like people all the time be like, "Hey, this band's playing a show." Do you wanna come? There'll be like free food and free beer. And it's like I feel like that in a way, and I think it is and I used to do that a lot when I first moved in New York and was poor, and now that I'm not drinking as much, I'm sort of like I just wanna stay home. <laughs> if I don't care about the I mean, band, I'm not I'm not gonna go for free Brooklyn lager anymore. Mm-hmm. When I was twenty seven I definitely would go yeah. literally go see anything yeah, if they were yeah, like baby. there's free beer. Yeah. Now I'm like, what, yeah, free beer and music. Free? Yeah.
3: I, I bought when I I used to know this uh, very, very kind woman uh, at Madison Square Garden who was the person you would speak to to get tickets for things <clears throat> and uh, if you're going to buy them. And it turned out years later, I found out that she was like a really higher up at MSG who just liked me because I would, I guess the person who introduced me to, I'd always be very respectful. Hi, it's Steven. I was wondering if I could get, you know, tickets for Prince tonight. And she was like, because it would just be me. Right. Um. Because uh, the young lady I was dating at the time was like, yeah, I don't want to go to a lot of shows. And I'm like, this might have an effect on a relationship. And it did. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, I remember she's like, yeah, I have one seat. It's like fifth row. And I'm like, sure. So I'm like the day of like sitting behind the fucking drummer watching Prince, things like that. So one day I wanted to see Eddie Izzard at Radio City. I was like, can I get a ticket? She went, yeah. You know what? I'll, let me hook you up with like this um, this uh, little, not a meet and greet room, but it's like a room for people who get tickets through me, like VIP kind of thing. And I go to Radio City Music Hall, already this great, you know, um, what do you call that, Rococo, like whatever the old style architecture is. So it's all full of, it's like Madison Square Garden, it's all full of secret corridors and hidden rooms Mm -hmm. and, and dungeons or whatever. Yeah, it's awesome. And so... I go in there and I end. I take some magical elevator that you don't even know it's there. You've walked by it like several times. I the elevator. I go up and there's this room just decked out with booze and a buffet and a bartender and nobody. Yeah. Like, I'm the only one there. <laughs> and I'm like, how are you? <laughs> how long does this happen? Do I have to go to the show? Yeah, yeah exactly. And this woman was like, yeah, no one's really coming to that. I went, um... <laughs> I, I will tip you. I'm <laughs> assuming. <laughs> uh, can I take anything downstairs? Yeah, let me fix you oh up a cup. But so I'm like walking downstairs with like dip and peppers, which would have cost like, seventy five dollars. Yeah, at the concession see. stand. So uh, like I got to go sit by myself. Watch the hookup. The,
0: the hookup is the greatest thing in the world. The hookup.
3: Yeah, the hookup. It's, it's pretty a, awesome. It's a, it's a it's a divine thing. But it, but we can all agree because we've done it up until you've done it you don't realize that backstage is the most boring place you'll ever go to in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get backstage and do what?
4: Watch other people oh, say, the
0: bigger the show, the worse the backstage. Yeah, is. I
4: was recently backstage at MSG and it was like, yeah, it's like, you feel like you're in like a high school gym. Yeah, It's like everything's just cinder block walls. Yeah. Like it's.
3: Although one time I was backstage at MSG and it was the best time to be backstage at MSG because the circus was there. What? So everywhere I walked, Tiger, you get to go backstage at the circus. Yeah, we were shooting yeah. something. We we're shooting cool. something with clowns. Ah, that's much. And that's we're cool walking life. around, and we're like, <laughs> "Look at that! That's so abusive to that beautiful animal. We're gonna catch it and make it do tricks." We're assholes, but that's cool that it's here now next to a freight elevator. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, at
4: least it wasn't enclosed in Fences.
3: Nice segue. We, Damn. Right. Up the puns, ladies and up
4: gentlemen. Up the puns. At up the puns. Check out my Up the puns column on Noisy, and without any further ado, here is Fences. It's going off track! All right. All right. It's going off All right.
3: The intro to the intro. intro
4: to the intro. The intro. Uh, hey, thanks for listening. I'm
3: Jonah, joined by Steven. Oh, my God. I know, right? I haven't been here in in, in, in at least minutes. Probably. <laughs> for,
5: probably seriously. Forever.
3: Like six months or something. Steak has been here longer than I have. Yes. You've been here. You've done more. I've done more steak. of these in the past. You've done more of these in the past year than I have. Yeah, for sure. Guest <laughs> host, Chris
4: Norris. Yes. A.K.A. Steak Mountain. That's me. And we're here with Chris from Fences. Hello. How's it going? Not bad. I feel like we've sent like 10,000 emails, but never really hung out.
5: Yeah, lots of uh, tweeting Lots of tweeting? Yeah, which is like an email that a lot of people can read <laughs> yeah. Basically, really? yeah Are you a Chris right? or a Christopher? Which do you like? I
3: mean, whatever you like It's whatever you like, it's your name uh, I mean, I like both
5: Okay, fair it enough It depends on the
3: situation Christopher's
1: just got too much going on It's a lot of syllables Redity. It's a lot uh, of
5: syllables Chris Chris is
3: good I actually
1: just call him Mansfield He's in my phone as Mansfield Okay yeah. And I always refer to him in the house as Oh, fucking Mansfield texted me Yeah You know what I mean? So, we'll take that Football names.
3: I yeah, know. <laughs> Come on. American footballers. Chris,
1: you, Chris um, could
4: you move that... Could you point that a little more to your face? And they're just like... Yeah, perfect. Look at that. Like this? I just want you to be in <laughs> like super a, high fidelity. Like a real time.
1: fucking pro. <laughs> yeah.
3: You look good. You guys look good. <laughs> Chew on
4: that. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have... Um, you guys have worked together before, the Chris's?
1: Yeah. We... Um, for a really long time yeah on and off Definitely. i mean not to step on i can give you the history lesson or do you want to give the history lesson
5: i think mine might be a little bit cloudy you think you're more
3: clear
1: why don't we do the cloudy version then you can fill in the details see what else <laughs> um
5: well i feel like there's been like five things that never happened mostly me being like like mildly manic and calling him and saying i have was thing, i need like an upside down tree and he's like, cool, I got it. And then we don't talk for like three months. Um, but then we did the, you know, the big one, which is how I feel is what happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, that for, for me, it's like I remember it like this. It's about 2011. I'm working on a show that I did in London in, for, in 2012, which was in, in April of 2012. But right before that, I think I might have sent you like just a note. Just saying, hey man, because I know that you just gotten on, uh, 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 you'd done the Against Me tour, mm-hmm. and obviously, like, um, we had friends in common, yeah, with the the Derosa kids and things like that. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, who are brother and sister art, artists or whatever? Um, and uh, yeah, and then I think that you were kind of like, hey, something's happening. You either had signed or you had signed with a management. You signed with somebody pretty crazy, right? Like, who was the producer that you were involved with?
5: Oh, that's that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. Well, we kind of like we got all the pieces together before the label, which is sort of like how we got signed to a major. We had like, you know, just a a crazy producer who was really passionate. Um, I'm not quite sure why he was so passionate, but uh, Jakir King, who did like Kings of Leon and just like really big stuff and he he worked in uh nashville at blackbird so it was just sort of like a a level that i'd never you know been involved with but he hit me up and was like you know let's get this record done i don't care if you don't have a manager or a label or anything like that um so i think yeah i just started to kind of like build up uh all the things around that like i started thinking about art right away you know probably like kind of prematurely but i think that's why i hit you up
1: yeah and then we did that, and then cl- the closer you got to finish which at that time was a record called the, the internal diving board. at mm-hmm. that point, right Yeah. And so we did a whole record, we did a lot of work, and then towards I think somewhere, I feel like we did about a year of work, you know I mean on and off, like kind of doing yeah. ideas and putting things together and kind of putting art together, and then um, and then we, we didn't talk for a little bit, and you came back and you wanted to go in a different direction.
5: Right. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So it was so going to be he like. He
1: fired me, everybody.
5: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it, it,
5: it was one of those no. like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which was fine because that was the agreement.
5: I feel like my ski jacket is making too much noise. I'm <laughs> yeah, going to we'll... take it off. Take it off.
3: Get comfortable.
5: I'm keeping mine on. Yeah. Everyone has
3: one. Mine
1: too. It's fucking um, like cold. I'm keeping in my her. goggles on too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the going off
3: chalet.
1: Dude. The powder is wild out there, today, guys.
5: <laughs> now, now I remember as it was a, uh, it was like this uh, ink blot type of stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we were doing that, and then you wanted to go in a in a different direction, and there was like a kind of a collage aspect. So he'd kind of um he'd not you know it's, it's not like he fired me, but it was just like kind of like hey man, and which is fine because that's happened to me with bands before, um, with Against Me even early on, um, and. Then we kind of came back together when you signed to Electra. Right. And you were working on, because explain the time in between internal, internal diving board and then getting signed. And
3: real quick, and this then, is all referencing like the art, like the packaging, yeah, everything. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you, your thing is like merch, the whole thing. You want to do the whole record, the whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, I have the, the aesthetic legacy, So
3: you had everything you wanted, how, how it looked, separate from the music
5: hmm got it okay yeah, yeah yeah we there there was like a lot of different things and i think what i struggled with is that you get your your whole world created like visually and then it takes time before that comes out and by the time that you know it comes that it's almost out i've already like changed you know what i mean like changed my mind like i look at it, i'm like well, no that doesn't seem right now you know what i mean which is like kind of ridiculous but uh I think it happens. So yeah, I think it went from like, uh, ink blot flowers with like a woman, and it was supposed to be like a really lonely but like kind of grand funeral type of visual.
1: Yeah, and we were going very illustrative, you know what I mean, but delicate, and we had a very a, a plan, you know what I mean, for yeah. that record. Um, but so basically, what do you guys need to know?
3: That would be like the cover art backwards and forwards. So. Well, we did yeah. we did that.
1: Yeah.
5: <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: I know for real. Yeah, what the fuck do you guys need? To... Come on, we'll so confrontational.
5: We'll get stuck on this for like an hour. And I like... know we
1: will talk because it's the history of this, even just this part of Chris's career is is really pretty insane because mm-hmm. it's like you've come from like what's your what's your background? Where did you start? You started in Seattle, right? Essentially, yeah,
5: yeah. Um, I started like playing. Uh, God, I hate to even say this, but um, coffee shops—like mm-hmm. <laughs> every musician says that in coffee shops.
4: <laughs> coffee shops in Seattle, even. I know, I know.
5: know. <laughs> For real, it's a trap. <laughs> um, yeah, no, this is me. This isn't a, just a fictitious songwriter. <laughs> um, but no, I—we've I all that. seen Rockstar. We know
3: how it's done. right. I know.
5: I always hated that that ending. And because It was I weird, thought, right? Oh, the '90s came, and now I'm going to play the music that I want to play with my flannel. And it's like he was jumping on another bandwagon the same way he jumped on the '80s bandwagon. So I, I don't concur. like Mark Wahlberg at all. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I I, I yeah, like but, him in the. See, I think he just
3: kind of rode with Timothy Oliphant. I think Oliphant was doing that. And yeah, he Just yeah. kind of like latched onto him, and that's
1: where it went. But guys walberg plays the best idiots so well he really yes. does he does yeah. he plays rockstar like an idiot boogie nights like an idiot he's the greatest idiot actor and mm-hmm. i feel like like travolta in saturday night fever that is actually a hard thing to do mm-hmm. and uh, i heard huckabees he's a best idiot in that movie it's hard to be an idiot because i actually think he's an idiot but mm-hmm. like
5: oh the fireman on the bike yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, see, see it's like, I like him in that movie. That's like the only time I've ever like. I wish he was just that guy always.
1: But in Rockstar, it's another great example of him being able to play someone who is so stupid and not self-aware. Especially yeah. when he's telling
3: them how to work the copier yeah and he is the eyeliner he's like i'm in a band okay listen it was just so matter of fact
4: i love that yeah, I got an email from netflix where, like boogie nights is on netflix and then there was like a three-sentence summary and i was like yeah i know what fucking
3: boogie nights is about <laughs> like i right. was like
4: ma- i was like offended
1: man you,
3: you remember you know the, you remember the six degrees of boogie nights for for the podcast right
1: what?
3: no the, the car in his bedroom the 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 poster of the car i The red car uh-huh. created by our producer Brad, because he he ended up working with the guy when Boogie Nights was like this crazy like indie film that was just starting off his career yeah, yeah, and everything. For sure, no one thought it was going to go anywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. He Brad ended up living out in L.A. for a year doing his his Lost Weekend L.A. <laughs> and he did, you know, Brad's like you does everything. Yeah, and he worked with this guy who was doing the the, not the set but like a lot of the graphics for Boogie Nights, so he he helped him out. And he created that car poster, and for he's like uh, he's like has a stack of them.
1: That's like actually, I like that awesome how we're
4: Suck. talking about this on one of the episodes of Brad isn't here. Yeah, fact like, yeah, yeah. about Brad. Hey,
1: Brad. Uh... <laughs> refute, was Brad. Refute, was refute <laughs> Goop. Refute what
4: I say. But I never knew that. Yeah, you did. You've been here. I don't remember it then. Well, that's all
1: right. That's, that's a lot of fucking podcasts. A lot of yeah. fucking yeah, talking. about like shit I remember? Podcasts. You've done on. hundred.
3: Yeah, and you've done hundred and eighty of them. I've done yeah, probably a hundred seventy-eight exactly. of them. That's actually so many words. One that you didn't do that reminds me about how you guys are. You're thinking what you were talking about gets boring and not boring, but it's a lot to go with the art. I, mm. I sat in this room with with uh, comic book uh, writer artist Paul Pope. Yeah. And yeah we yeah. talked for about a half hour on designing the font, and I was fascinated. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking missed that. One. If
1: you're a fan and you're picking somebody's brain who you love, yeah, for sure. I was like cuz I'm just
3: like it's shit. You don't know, think about that's it, obviously there. Yeah. Cuz everything is everything is thought about. Everything mm-hmm. has a purpose to it and there's an intent behind it. And yeah. you can tell, especially as artists, you can tell when there is not an intent and if you're like me it pisses you off. Mm-hmm. Cuz you're like, well that's a throwaway and that's unnecessary and that
5: Yeah. Sounds like sounds like you have an intent but then you grow through it. Yeah, I think I was looking for like the you know, like the rosebud of what was me that would uh, convey to the general public. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Chris probably does this with his art. In fact, I know he does. I think he gives people too much credit for their intelligence. Like what they he thinks they'll get it. You know what I mean?
1: I definitely do that. Um,
5: <laughs> and I think we thought people would get it with the first one. And it was like, well, no, it's like, this is what this is. This is what this means to me privately. You're all going to get it. But no way. So then I became kind of obsessed with that, and I thought, well, I'm going to do a collage that sort of hints at like my entire history of as an artist. Like, I like have like the Seattle skyline, the New York skyline, like a, a beach with like some gravestones, and there's a bear in the ocean, and it was like all this kind of like subliminal things that had to do with my career because there was a bear on my first EP that like 20 people have. And then I, and it was like, well, no one's going to fucking get that either. And then when I went to Electra, you know, you have all these people who are like, well, you're a very compelling looking guy. It should just be your face, right? So then we went to that. And then I, at first I fought it, but then I thought, well, if I'm really looking for the fucking me, then let's just not be vague with imagery and just show my face. And I think that's what happened. And then I went back to Chris and then we put hidden nooses around my face.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you look at the cover cover of Lesser Oceans, which came out this year, right? April?
5: Uh, I think, I don't know exactly.
1: Yeah, April of this year. Um, and we'll get to why you don't now. Because mm-hmm. that's also very interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Everybody out there in podcast land. Is that we wanted to do, um, when we were working on Lesser Oceans, because he came back to me. Once he signed to Electra and because you had basically recorded a whole entire record. Yeah. And then scrapped it, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then started from the from the top.
5: Yeah, it was crazy. I i didn't mind because recording music is such a pleasure for me, you know, it's a real joy. Uh so I didn't care. I think a lot of people would have freaked out. But um I didn't. I I was out at my mother's house just like, you know, doing the live, you know, my mom lives in the woods, so I was just doing the kind of like off the grid weirdo thing and jeff the president of Electra called her house phone and like went up on the hill where there was service and he's like he's like hey so uh we all think that you know you should make some more songs you know and he was like really nervous and i was like fine let's do it <laughs> you know but he wanted um, i don't know he kept saying all this stuff like you know i want it to be like a tank but you know a tank covered in flowers and think of Electra as like an army and we're kicking everyone's doors in and, You know, and he was referencing the Smiths a lot and all this stuff. and um, I got what he was saying. I think the first record was very, very, like, super negative. You know what I mean? And that was actually the second version. I did a first version of the Internal Diving Board where I think every song um, said something about burying something, like yourself or an object or whatever. And it was, like, all electronic drums... And me and the guy who made the record were like, this is, this is too sad. And the record ended with a voicemail that a friend had left me who was concerned about me. So it was just like this terrible like suicide note of an album. <laughs> so we got rid of that. And um, I don't know. The, yeah, the whole thing kind of just went from like really dark to like the brightest dark that it could be and still be like reasonably commercial. That makes
3: sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So what happened that you don't remember <laughs> April? <laughs> you want
5: I don't know. <laughs>
1: well, you here's here's like the thing with the whole entire being on Electra. I followed you to it because we're friends and I think that you are a unique and great artist. Thank you. I'm to blow hole. I'm gonna blow a blow bunch of smoke up your
5: ass. I think he, you. You
1: know what I mean? And so our working together was was awesome. I was not disappointed when you let me go the first time because it made sense to me because I know you. It's like if you know a person and you cre- you trust their creative kind of wherewithal and the turns that they make and everything else, you know what I mean? And this ha- actually happened with Lauren against me on New Wave, which I was originally supposed to do. And then at the, kind of at the 11th hour, Laura was like, I, I want to do it myself. and uh, You know what I mean? And then I was kind of not let go, but I was just kind of put on the back burner and I ended up doing merch and things like that for the record and then brought back into the fault. And in this case, it was like, I know you, I kind of know – you're bit personally, manically, mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For sure. You, your mind's always moving and you have a different opinions and you different interests. And, and maybe it's like how anybody is. You know what I mean? So when you were like, ah, I'm going to do something else, I was like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. We had worked about a year on and off, I feel like, getting things together. Right. And then it was just like, oh, I'm going to do something else. And then I kind of lost track of you. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of came to me like right at the end of like 2013, maybe. Mm-hmm. And we're like, hey, I'm signed to Electra, I'm ready to do the thing, let's start working on this record. And then we kind of put together a record that was like, like you said, the brightest dark, you know what I mean? And I made a lot of concessions as, as an artist that I d- never make mm-hmm. for anybody, you know right. what I mean? Just based on the fact that like, I was like, I knew what boat you're in. And it's different than when you're just like dealing with somebody as a a, a solo. Like you're not a, you are a solo artist. You know what I mean. You have a, a backing band that you bring together. Mm-hmm. Than dealing with a band. And so I trusted you, and I was like, well, he's in the boat. I'll go in the boat with him, and we'll kind of work around and see what we can what we can create. Even though I knew they were trying to push you to on a on a on a bigger commercial scale, which is when they bring in Macklemore,
5: mm-hmm.
1: which i don't know if you guys know that element of it so on the record in the middle of the record which at this point in time when you listen to uh, lesser oceans Macklemore
3: heard you on something
1: no they're no. og friends from oh, seattle okay.
5: yeah oh,
3: before shit. he
1: was big
5: mm-hmm. you
3: right know on. so yeah. what's
1: that connection mm. well believe it or not
5: um a long time ago i was more uh popular than he was with music which is <laughs> ridiculous sounding but uh yeah just in in seattle it was like uh 2010 it, i had a little bit of hype around me because uh sarah from tegan and sarah had produced my record and tegan and sarah they're like a you know they are what they are they're a known band on the radio and stuff and in seattle that was not really like a normal thing it was like you were cool if you sold out like the crocodile or pneumo's or whatever mm-hmm. so i was sort of the first of uh kind of like my group of friends and in, in stuff that like went out and it was like whoa you're playing Lollapalooza or touring and like this is crazy and um Macklemore was definitely big in Seattle but I think you know um I had kind of like a farther like indie rock reach like this like kind of cool factor probably in his mind um and he wanted me to sing on a song called Other Side which was about uh like, alcohol and, uh, drug addiction, whatever, you know, and I could, like, sort of relate to that. I don't remember if I was, like, I think I might have been drinking at the time, but I think I still, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter, I got it, so I sang some, (laughs) like, really emotional thing about, you know, um, there's a boat sinking and then God comes down, but then God says nothing and, like, the word nothing lands on a giant reverberant tom and then he starts rapping about his drug addiction, um... But it really resonated with people. I think it has like over thirty million YouTube plays. Um, so it's it was super, super for real. Um, but I did that, and um, I think like around that time, he started to like make a lot of videos. He made like tons of videos, just him and Ryan and his team, like Jason and these people, and they would just put them on YouTube. And you start to look, you're like. You're like, how does this video have 10 million views? This one has 20. This one has five. Like, this is really weird. And then he started selling out, like, theaters, like, five days in a row in Seattle. And then, then he put out Thrift Shop. And I had already moved to New York. I'm, like, I did a final show with him. I opened for him a solo on an electric guitar at a, a university. And it was like the entire square was full of kids, like a sea of kids. You know what I mean? So I played that show, and I was like, this is fucking crazy. Look at all these people. What's going on? I flew to New York and kind of did my thing. And then Thrift Shop came out. And I was like, oh, man, like, my friend is, like, the most famous dude ever. Like, what the hell happened? (laughs) You know? And I think, um, you know, and it's awkward to admit, but selfishly in the back of my head, I fucking knew, I just knew that he was going to be what brought me to a higher place just because I just knew how it worked. Because if you look up Macklemore, like other side was like the other big thing. Like when you look at thrift shop on YouTube, fucking other side is like the recommended video and people are going to go, well, who's that guy? Turns out most people thought that it was Ryan Lewis singing, which is insane. (laughs) Uh, but you know i think they thought maybe i was like an actor they're like let's get a guy with tattoos to stand by the water and lip sync ryan lewis's part (laughs) but uh yeah so so we did that (laughs) i mean so our first collaboration was like i mean it was nothing like we didn't really think about it like i recorded that part like onto my computer like the time it took the i was like living with someone and they took a shower and I wrote it in the time that it, they were in the shower. And then I went in and tracked it, and it was done. Um, and then our, our relationship didn't get, you know, like insane and serious on a business level until, you know, he was really big. And he became a little bit harder to uh, get a hold of, like emotionally, physically, all, you know, all these ways Whereas, it like, it, it's hard to, you know... Get in touch with someone who's like in that place. You know what I mean? But um, I do, but selfishly, I'm like, everybody's got a phone.
3: Answer your phone. This is true. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah. Well, it's different. I mean, his phone became different. I think famous people's cell phones work di- differently. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not really they have sure. a different
4: operating system. <clears throat>
3: <right now>. Dude, <laughs> yeah. no lie. I used to in, in another weird life, I, I, I had a very odd friend named Tommy Lee. <laughs> and and I had Tommy's number and you call him and he had this specific service called like Wildfire that like protected his phone and number. So whatever number he gave me wasn't specifically that, but it would transfer to him. But then it was a computer system. So at the end of every message he left me was like, Wildfire, yes, Tommy. Hang up. Done. And it was like this weird like, <laughs> It was weird. like a very weird Siri type voice doing that. So there's some truth to that. That like it's wow. a, different, That's must be crazy. a different kind of thing.
1: Well, because, you know, like when you're on that level, you just, you know, you start getting on this higher level and and then everyone starts to be like, oh, I'm going to reach out to my friend. Maybe my friend can help me or things like that. Mm -hmm. Or like, oh, I know that guy. Let me call that motherfucker. And you change your number. You know what I mean? So I think shit like that.
5: I even did that. I think like when we, um, it's all kind of a blur, but when we like started like doing TV and like I went to Europe and stuff, it was like, I would like look at people calling me. Or like look at text, but I processed it differently than I would like today. I'd be like, Oh cool, someone texted me. Like <laughs> I'm kinda lonely. You know, like then it was like, Yeah, I like I don't I don't have time for that. I can't even like get through this day. So I get it. But um yeah, I forget where we're at. We're trying to
1: We're trying to piece together. Lesser Oceans, which is your major label debut, yes. Macklemore, Macklemore. I always call him Macklemore like he's a fucking piece of fish, ma- <laughs> mackerel more more.
3: Yeah, I don't pronounce the L either. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's like Macklemore. I want to do it.
1: Macklemore. You said I won't do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, eventually, where it all kind of kind of falls apart because oh, okay. that's a very important. But yeah, but Mack re- comes in, into your record. Is that Electra's idea to um, bring him in, or did you just <clears> call in the favor?
5: Yeah, I mean it was funny because I I said it as like a little bit of a joke to Jakir actually because who's that who's uh, the, the, uh, the producer? producer and Jakir King who produced uh, I think about uh, a, a little less than half of Lesser Oceans. Uh, his manager at the time was Jeff Castales, who in the midst of all that became the president of Electra. Okay, so then I, I mean, and Jeff was a huge champion for the band. I mean, he he literally, like, thought we were the fucking greatest thing ever. You know, he was like, you guys are pouring your heart out, like, very passionate. And it was was great. And then when he became the president of a major label that, you know, once had, like, the doors and the cure, I was like, this is it. This makes sense. The stars have aligned. And uh, I called him, and he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, like, I want you to really, like, remember where my heart lies with you and stuff. He's like, but I can't really sign you you know he's like because we didn't have i mean ma- major label signing bands is almost fucking impossible you have to have like I- you know it needs to be like i don't even know how to put this like coke buying pepsi like you have to already be a thing
3: for I them to, to buy an, you an
1: incentive yeah no, an incentive. Incentive.
3: it's like it's it's like death cab you know death cab built up their audience and then all the major label did was take it
2: and exactly give them bigger
3: distribution that's it that's it so it's it's yeah. it's like um
1: green day or against me
3: yeah you're doing you're doing the work building your audience and they're taking you to be like all right well we can do this and you're like well we did it ourselves we can stay there if you want Yeah. right you know, well, we can do it but now the paradigm is broken so it's hard for
5: major labels to even figure that out so i don't even know what is happening now i mean everybody that i talk to they're like yeah the, they, someone said to me um you know the business has greatly changed since you got signed to Elektra, and I was like, "That was like a year and a half ago." Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, what? What? Yeah, is there, heads like...
3: are putting cassettes out again. That's how it's changed. Yeah,
5: pretty much, <sighs>
3: man. Don't
1: talk about that.
3: That's because we would spend the next hour hating on it, and we would enjoy it. Um, Definitely so the,
5: it? You know, <laughs> Oh yeah. So to, I um, almost said getting off track that's the name of this podcast right Wait, going off track. it's yeah. called going off track is that because that this happens absolutely oh, yeah, yes. we
1: don't like you know we just drop in yeah we find our way <laughs> yeah in a narrative and then all of a sudden it's like an hour and 20 minutes and i've probably talked for 55 of them <laughs> well that's I'm great
5: on. because i almost <laughs> just said i'm going off track perfect just yeah. totally like you're still nailing it. yeah
1: you're on brand
5: i can go
3: yeah. now all right perfect <laughs> yeah. um yeah
1: <laughs> There, there are more stories
3: that haven't been finished that we haven't cared about because it's just like it went up to somewhere that was so much more
5: fascinating yeah, to us. Yeah, yeah. No, this is good. But yeah, so so what happened was I, t- I told Jakir, I said, yeah, Jeff said, you know, he probably can't do it because, I mean, Electra is essentially Atlantic and, and you um, yeah, like Julie at Atlantic and like Craig, I think those are their names. Yeah. Um, And... They're super cool. I mean, they're all really sweet. Like, when I walk through those offices, like, I go sit on the couch in their office. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, what am I doing here? But I'm also like, oh, this isn't what I thought. Like, it's not like a an old man, you know, with a mustache and stuff. Like, it's just, like, people and, like, interns and, like, girls on social media. And it was, like, pretty chill. So I have no, like, resentment towards, you know atlantic or the uh record industry per se as, so they wouldn't like let humans. something happen that you thought would help or they thought would help or well w- what happened was um jeff you know he wouldn't sign it and I, I was i told jakir this because jakir wanted me to because jakir had a vested interest uh probably because he he was being paid off percentages mm-hmm. because this guy's so expensive and like i said we were not on the label when he produced the record which is like ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. Cuz it's a guy who just finished Kings of Leon record. So this that was weird in itself, but I said, "Well, what do I got to do? Put Mac Lamar on my record." You know, just kind of like that on the phone and he's like, "Chris, I think what you're saying here might maybe a revelation you're you're talking about uh putting a well-known pop star on your record. I think this changes the conversation." And I was like, "Oh, Really, okay,
1: <laughs> so so now I'm stuck with this, yeah,
5: <laughs> so i I called uh Jeff, and he was like, Well, yeah, I mean, I think because music is is all run by um hip hop now, really, I mean, I think all the people like the the rock guy or the ch- the chi- the guy who sits in the chair who's like the the guy who talks about rock and roll like he's gone, like he either died like ten years ago or something, but it's all like hip hop now, so I don't know who Jeff called or what he said, but he's like, yeah, if you can get Macklemore on your uh, record, we'll sign you. So so I was like, shit, you know. And I talked to um, my guitar player. He wasn't sure about doing it. You know, I wasn't sure about doing it because the record, you know, was done and we already had Arrows done. It was was its own song already.
3: Which Um, is the song that Macklemore ends up. I was going to say, so then you got to like tweak the song to have a featured.
5: Yeah yeah so it was kind of just like weighing my options and i just thought like you know what man if like these fucking kids are gonna hate you they're gonna hate you no matter what you do right like i've realized that my entire career is that every someone's gonna hate you no matter what you do so i don't i don't buy into the whole like selling out whatever i mean i think literally you got like 80 years maximum on this planet most likely so just do whatever the fuck you need to do.
1: We were just talking about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it shut up. it yeah. doesn't matter.
5: I mean, like my like artistic death, like I I go to bed with that, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's that's if I think I can, you know, live with myself, then that's fine. And I think and I could. Um it's a little harder now, now that like I realize that uh the rewards of that, you know, artistic death were not uh they weren't very good. I, there was really none. Um, had I known, I probably wouldn't have done that. You feel like you're compromised? Um, a little bit. I mean, you know, Ben McLemore, he's, he's my friend. And, uh, I mean, we're a little weird now, but he's a good guy. And he's, uh, I mean, it's, he's talented and stuff. But just, like, on a fundamental, like, artistic basis, like, it doesn't work. You know, it, it sounds like you knew that. Maybe he knew it too, but you guys both. Yeah, didn't. yeah. And I called him and I said, "Man, this is weird." But if you, if you, I almost said sing, like you know, talk, rap, whatever, you know, on my music, you're gonna get me signed. And in his defense, he was like, he was like, "Yeah, man, that's like that's pretty corny. That that that's all it takes." You know, he realized like how ridiculous the business was, and I think he felt, I don't know exactly what he felt. I just think he thought it was he didn't think that it was uh ridiculous in the sense of us working together because we had before and um I mean I even wrote um 10,000 hours on the heist the first song. I forgot that I did that that they sold to Dr. Pepper. <laughs> which I don't <laughs> I don't have no money either so I mean, but you know um, how the fuck does that happen it, it does I mean I got a little I got a little bit but like I think I'm getting paid like on some like I'm getting like percentages of a corner of something you know what I mean not like the big like centerpiece of, of what it would be you get
1: half a point on yeah that. of like <laughs> so you cases getting... of Dr. Pepper <laughs> yeah a, poster, exactly, a vintage yeah. poster of Donna Loren when she was a pepper girl in the 60s yeah
5: that, I mean
1: W- whatever did I mean, you want I, to throw that over everybody's head right then
3: did you want to just lob that over? reference
1: <laughs> Don, Don donald's <laughs> a very important <laughs> artist she was on shindig she was in the beach party movies she now tours hawaii <laughs> with her her bikini line i know a lot about donald loren but i mostly know that she was the first pepper girl and mm. whenever i hear dr pepper all i think about is Donna loren drinking a dr pepper on a poster wow that's all you are a pepper too <laughs> exactly and also i think about the beach party movies and she's 29 singing about being a lonely teenager so whatever. i can handle that you know Weird. all right sorry guys sorry podcast world with my donna loren fucking <laughs> thing no, that, that Stephen just called me out on just beat me over the head with
3: <laughs> hey man i remember chocolate cherry dr pepper with the kid from chocolate rain that didn't go through
1: oh i don't oh, remember yeah, that chocolate at all rain. remember that shit I don't want to think about it. Yeah, maybe. I bet he
3: made more money. God damn it! Oh, that that shit annoys matter. me when I hear that from artists who are like, "You do the the main creative point, and then it and it then it filters through. Someone yeah. else, someone else is eating up a dollar that you're getting a penny from.
1: But it's so classic.
3: Yeah, it is. You know,
1: big business music industry like meltdown. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but that
3: must be weird because wasn't it uh, like like McAlemore, His whole his <laughs> whole deal is, you know, his record is still considered you know independent you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then a label is asking you know you to get the indie artist to get you signed to a non-independent thing it's like it's that, that that's a that's an odd spot for you to get into
5: yeah I, well i think at the time he was he had more power than the major labels even had which is why there it's like they i think they were horrified of him you know, and as they should have been. Apparently, I mean. Well, he
3: beat the business model. Yeah, he yeah. totally
5: did, and I think.
1: But kind of the only one, though,
3: and that's and that's the thing. Yeah, and that, that's that's the hard spot is there's there's not a lot of people who who get to that level like that. Yeah, you know who did? Um, uh, Nickelback. Nickelback was an independent. They were on Windup. Really? Mm-hmm. So that was there were And whole, then they went
1: to Roadrunner? road on it? And
3: then and because, then they, why
1: do I know that about Nickelback? Because you do. I'm so, out
3: uh, here. Nickelback. <laughs> there it is.
5: There it is. <laughs> he should have been on their record. Yeah, that would have been, yeah. been just taken the whole system down. But um, but <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean I I think like I was afraid to come on a podcast because I really didn't want to come on here and be like you know, fuck the major label, fuck McLemore, You know what I mean? Like, I hope that I'm not, um...
4: No, I don't think you're coming off no. that
5: way. I, I do think, though, like,
4: I'll... So I only know you through Twitter, really, basically, yeah. and I feel like I'll see you post stuff that's, like, I'm probably, like, I'm not gonna write any more songs. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna tour again. Yeah. Is that is that just sort of, like, stream, do you really feel that way sometimes, or...? I think,
5: uh, yeah, so, some, maybe I feel that way for five minutes, but then a tweet takes five seconds and then it is there until you delete it, which right. is what's dangerous. Um, but, yeah, um, but we're
1: both good at deleting tweets and Instagrams, both yeah. of us. So. Yeah, <laughs> Fuck man. leave it
5: all up, he gives a shit. I know. Um, no, I mean, there's some truth in that. I mean, well, to like go back to the story, then it's like, so this uh, this all happens, and then, okay, we have Macklemore on the record, but then now that's going to be the first single, and then now Ryan remixed it, and then extended Macklemore's part at the end and we did a video that I think was like maybe a little over half a million dollars for the arrows video because
3: hunger and strife
5: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean Ah. so we went and did that video I mean I'm thankful for it because now I have like a a daughter from that video basically like the girl who was uh, cast in the video as the girl that I'm peering at with the binoculars we just had a, a baby and we lived together so maybe that's like what this was all about,
3: dude.
5: <laughs> you know, congratulations, <laughs> your kid. <laughs> thank you. So Mclemore got me a, a baby. Oh, your uh, dad got you a baby, <laughs> but like Macklemore. Yeah, but no, I mean, um, it just it all started to to take over. You know, thanks. It's pretty cool. How um, long I had like three weeks.
1: Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. fresh <laughs> off the
3: boat. Yeah. Oh my that's god. That's why I
5: seem I'm not always like this. Dude. <laughs> Usually I'm a little I, more. I got lively. twins, so
3: it's, yeah, I, I understand. But uh, it's uh, and now comes the part where Jonah hates it. Dad it, stuff. N- n- no, 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 no. We won't. We won't see that. No, I oh,
5: got a Brad with I already Jesus feel Christ. like a, a nerdy dad. Like I carry I carry one of those things, you know, where she like, oh, the Bjorn, yeah, yeah. Like I walk around with one of those, and I'm like, just like stopping and like looking at pastries through the window, and just like strolling around, and it's it's kind of welcome like, to worrying for the rest of your life. Yeah, I am. It, the, that's the worst part about having a baby is that um, the madness that it, it, it creates in your mind when the baby's screaming, you're like, I don't even, it's like something chemical is happening where you're like, fight or flight, caveman, like, oh, what yeah. do you need? Um, You know, and then the, you feel inadequate because you, you can't feed the child. With the, you don't, you know, you can't do breastfeeding. So there's just this mm-hmm. crazy thing that happens. And you're like, I just want the baby to be quiet. And then as soon as the baby's quiet, you think the baby's dead. So you're never...
3: Oh, you never stop checking their lungs movement. No. I did it this morning. Yeah. I kid oh, decided to sleep in. She's, they're both four and a half. And I was like, why is she sleeping in so long? And then your brain goes to awful, awful places. Yeah. And I was, I was listening to another podcast. Um, uh, Traitor. And, uh, oh, that's you. all I do. Yeah, what the fuck? Uh, oh, you're uh, out. I was listening to uh, Pete Holmes. Uh, you Made It Weird with Tim Minchin, who I love. And, uh, he said he had this great line cause he said, you know, as a dad, like you in the middle of the night, you just worry You're like, what if they get hit by a bus? Stupid shit you would never think of in your life. Mm-hmm. And he said, I have to finally tell myself, oh, now's not the time for that. And that, that get, he's like, that snaps it in. Cause like, that's good. i wake up at one in the morning and my wife is still like watching NCIS and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I can't turn my mind off. Mm-hmm. What's tomorrow going to bring? Cause like once you have a kid you know, experienced the worry and all that kind of stuff. But in a way, it it kind of grounds you, you know, more. It kind of, everything that you went through with this, it probably, I don't know. Yeah, it, it totally It kind of shapes your view into, a, not, you know, your, your art, your livelihood are important, you know, especially in regards to having a family and that. But, you know, it kind of shapes what really is important.
5: That's very true. Yeah, which is sort of um, why, the, you know, the emotional crisis uh maybe some of the tweets that you see. You know, you're like, like, oh my God, like a year ago I was on television and flying around in airplanes and I had everything kind of mapped out, you know, financially and career-wise. And now it's sort of a little bit more of a question mark. Um, What's that like? And now I have a baby. <laughs> and now I'm doing the <laughs> podcast with Steak Mountain and Joan and Steven. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, this is good. I, well, you know. I, I don't know what you're talking about. But
5: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think this is this is just as... as as big as anything i mean that it, it, it's also relative now right you know what i mean i don't even i you you guys could have had you know henry rollins on here earlier today i don't have any idea who you've had on the show um but anyways so yeah i all that sort of happened the 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 macklemore thing sort of took me over um and you feel like you make choices in your career sometimes where where like okay, I'll I'll do this to appease this person. I'll do this to appease this person. And you don't even really realize you're doing it. You know, y- you just start to like become agreeable so gradually that next thing you know, you're just completely agreeable and you yourself are sort of shut off. And I think that's what happened to me. I mean, I'm, I can't even tell you. I mean, I'd be like in an airplane flying over Germany just like, blackout drunk you know just like i don't like who am i what is this what am i doing what am i singing about i don't you know what i mean like just sort of i got sucked into a, you crazy feel like a crisis thing. or a breakdown or i mean a little bit yeah I, I started uh drinking a lot you know were you that way before uh yeah but i was sober i was totally sober and then like quote unquote relapsed Right as things went nuts, like, so I was like wasn't,
3: recovery sober, like you needed to be.
5: Yeah, like you know, like AA, whatever New meetings, dude. Yep. Okay. Um, I I don't write now, but I'm I'm sober for a while right now. Maybe whatever works. Months you know? and months and months. But um, yeah, like during the arrows video, sober, all this stuff. Um, one of my good friends was in the video, and then he he shot himself the day after the video, and that really <laughs> that really kind of messed me up. And, uh, you think yeah yeah fuck dude Bro. i'm so sorry yeah that really got me so it was like that combined with knowing like how big that could potentially get and i was like super you know like a super indie artist you know i was like like well what if i was as big as like cat power like that's what i wanted you know um don't we all want that yeah perfect career pretty much but uh yeah, sort of that, like the, you know, the suicide. No, I, Sorry, I'm laughing at Chris.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah. She's I mean, had a cool career. She was in a Wong Kar Wai movie, you know? Yeah. I'm, I, I Straight, put that
5: state fright thing is a little, that would be tough. Yeah. I have that terribly. Do you? Yeah. Do you, you have fright? The, the worst. Really? And that's, I think that's why I was drinking. I mean, yeah, I remember, totally. you know, being on Ellen and the thing was closed in front of my face and they're counting <clears> it before <throat> that door opens and I was holding the mic and I swear to God that... I was about... I almost ran. Almost. Like, it was like... I was like (laughs) 50-50. I was like, okay, if this thing opens before I get a chance to run, I gotta do it. But, like, I might run. And I remember, like, turning around with the mic and looking at everybody and going... And, like, seeing, like, my exit. And this is, like, four seconds before you're on fucking Ellen. So that's, like, a bad time to be making that choice. But, um... But yeah, I mean, you know, it like or, or it the it's like drinking for that. It's the only time, right? You yeah. know, But yeah, I was like totally like drinking a lot during that stuff. I had to. I was horrified, yeah. man. I mean, you can't go from like... We had to numb it, right? Yeah, just numb like the fear and like whatever is going on. I mean, it's too much. I can't even explain like... I mean, I'm, you know, I'm sure you guys have all like had like versions of success and done things that were a little bit beyond you that brought you some sort of anxiety i guess everyone has that but um god i spent two years on Lexapro. <laughs> yeah it was just too much you know i couldn't i couldn't really deal with it like uh all of it it was just it was too crazy um when i started to like lose my way like uh just artistically and like my personality i was just sort of like a quiet weird guy with like far away eyes you know like <laughs> just like an archetype of like a drunk, tortured dude. Um, and it was, I mean, it was a little bit like pathetic, I guess. Do you feel cliche Is That what? Yeah, totally. I'm just like, oh cool. Like I'm wearing sunglasses and it's like 10 a.m. and I'm drunk and I got to go to a radio station and I don't even know like what city I'm in I and mean, I don't care, you know, that's weird. Cause like six yeah. months before I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm like really excited to get my career going. And like, you know, drinking tea and stuff. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it just kind of swallowed me up, man. And then it all kind of uh, fell apart, you know? And it wasn't, it it was like a a mix of things. It was like me starting to realize, okay, I'm on this label, but how much of it has to do with Macklemore? How much of it has to do with me? Once that's over, where are we at? You know, and that started to become a thing. You know, Jeff is like, well, what's the next single? Maybe we should go write with somebody. And I'm like, well, what? you don't like the record? Like, what do you mean, go write with somebody? And I I walked out of a lot of writing sessions, you know? Mm-hmm. Some of these guys that wrote, like, serious cuts, like Beyonce-style shit. Like, I went into rooms with those guys, and I wasn't feeling it. You know, I wasn't feeling a lot of the stuff that they wanted me to do. And I just kind of uh went inward and... I think it became really apparent to everyone on my team that I was not happy. You know, it was like play show, literally lay on a couch in a green room and stare into space, you know. So, uh, yeah, it all just kind of like fell apart. And Jeff, Jeff stepped down from being president of Elektra. Um, there was supposed to be a really, really long tour. It was like three months long. All these festivals, all this stuff. I came home from doing a radio show this winter in New York, and uh, I knew I was having a baby. And I just sort of had like a really long, weird call with Jeff. And he was like, Man, you'd probably be better off at like an indie label, like a cool little indie label. And I was like, I think you're right. Like, I don't want to go on this tour. I don't want to do any of this stuff. And I sort of just like crumbled and was like, I give up, dude. You know, I'm done. And that's what happened
3: there's a difference between crumbling and acceptance to what you want. You know what I mean? Right. And that's hard mm-hmm. that, that coming to terms with, you know, it sounds, it sounds like you kind of knew all along and tried something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the thing too, is like, I feel like that's how I am. It's like, you probably
4: wouldn't, you'd probably feel this way either way. Like if you hadn't done, you'd be like, I wonder what would have happened.
5: Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I definitely, um, there's a little bit of regret, but I agree with you where I feel like I had to do it and that, potentially wherever i go now uh with the group and my art you know it'll probably end up where it's supposed to be regardless which is what i'm i'm not hoping i mean i know that's that's what's happening so
4: so where what do you sort of where you at right now sort of obviously the kid stuff i'm sure is taking a lot of time but where are you kind of at artistically
5: um i have like kind of like a new album almost done i have like four songs like mixed mastered like all properly completed I have maybe like 15 other ones. I'm working with a girl in Seattle, uh, Sun Dummy is her band name, and she's just like this weird genius. I think she's like 19 or 20. She records in her room. Um been like kind of doing, writing with her, um, writing with uh, Lauren Zettler here in Brooklyn, um, my bass player Felix, uh, just doing all sorts of like, you know, writing and collaborating and, and trying to like, um, I have like a n- new manager, new lawyer, everything's new, right
1: yeah, because those last ones was fucking ridiculous <laughs>
5: yeah these these new guys getting you back some stuff
1: yeah, they're great, they're really
5: great um the um I guess I don't want to tell everyone who all my people are don't it's kind you of irrelevant <laughs> yeah um, but no, they're cool I'd like they're, to thank. <laughs> they're definitely not like a friend of a friend. I mean they're like you know fancy, fucking mercenaries, you know I mean Dude, the one did you play like, them for? What did he say he's like he's like you know you don't owe anybody any money he's like it's all bullshit he's like don't worry about that you know <laughs> like that that type of dude so which is really great um and there's like tons of like new label interest and stuff but i'm really like you know i'm kind of gun shy about that why well, you do know, put it out yourself thought about it you know i thought about that or like something uh I don't I hate that word like cool and like indie, you know, cuz it's I don't really even know what that means, but I think you guys know what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that I mean like honestly talking to like some majors too, you know. But I'm just very like protective right now of of what is going on and like part of me is like I'm sort of interested in like just building up a thing, like a world like just in New York, you know, play some shows and like just sort of be a band don't just be like okay i have my songs like surround myself with all these people and like let's do a big move like i kind of want to just be like well what does it mean to like go play you know irving plaza like on a tuesday you know what i'm saying can you do a residency at shanae something would be great like yeah jeff buckley stuff so
1: Um, essentially just rebuilding yourself starting from scratch mm -hmm. you know yeah but not necessarily, because obviously you have this great history, and now even with m- that that move and that moment last year, you know, you have a still have this crazy fan base. So it's like actually you're just you're just re- reconfiguring yourself artistically. You yeah, I mean, after basically what I saw is like a total fallout
5: mm-hmm.
1: from my viewpoint. Yeah, it the was, electric yeah. debacle was, mm-hmm. you know, was super insane just because like what i mean is like why chris didn't know when the record came out is because there was no fanfare for the record because they took your record mm-hmm. they pushed it multiple times
5: yeah that was troublesome
1: yeah so like the record was like you know it was like supposed to come out in fucking july and then was coming out in fucking september and then was coming out in fucking december, and then, was in fucking december and then was coming out in april you know what i mean and it moved so much that i stopped paying attention because also part for me in that whole ordeal I fucking hated your management. Mm-hmm. I hate everybody's management. <laughs> Managers are fucking idiots. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Preach! Hi- please hire me. <laughs> um, <laughs> fans, please hire me. I hate your management. Um, but they, that guy was such a fucking dick. Mm-hmm. And Jeff at Electra was a very nice guy, but he's the manager drop Dropkick Murphy, so he gets points taken away. Um, so <laughs> I don't give a fuck how nice he is. If you're involved with those idiots, you're low on my list. Yeah. So, I'd like to point um, out
3: now that the views of Chris Steak Mountain do not reflect the views of the podcast.
1: <laughs> There's no okay. worse pub rock band ever than the Dropkick Murphys other than the Pogues and anybody who plays pub rock. Um, so, <laughs> pub rock, yeah. I didn't hear that. Too Here we, Yeah, oh, it is just, perfect. Yeah, first yeah. the
4: firemen listen to this podcast, <laughs> you're probably pretty bummed out right yeah. now. Sorry, right.
1: guys. Sorry, all my relatives in Boston. <laughs> Fuck you. Um so but
3: up next the street dogs. Yeah, oh
1: wow. God, dude. Um so but I started but we you and I lost contact and I had an argument with your management During this whole, I'm switching this thing because I'm going to get the shit kicked out of me. Keep talking about. I'm surprised it
4: took 53 minutes for you to start just shit talking.
1: Hey, Chris is doing such a great job, (laughs) and I'm just trying to be cool. This is his podcast. This isn't the Steak Mountain podcast. Intro,
3: the the world's greatest shit talker. Yeah,
1: yeah, Yeah. mean. I'm mean. So I'm mean to all these big tough guys who I hide from on the internet and on podcasts who don't know I look like. Fuck you, dropkick Murphy's. Um, (laughs) So worst band i could do this for a fucking hour too just like cassettes um nothing makes me more mad actually other than the other things that make me mad but um in this situation you and i lost contact somewhere in there part of that was because of your fucking just general breakdown right you know what i mean your life's falling apart fucking everything's falling apart you're freaking out Mm -hmm. so for me i chalk that up to just mansfield you know what I mean? I'm like, just I just doing, lose. I mean, if, even yeah. if we were in a business artistic agreement, if I lose track of you for four months, I'm like, I lost track of you for four months. So that happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't surprised. But then when I started kind of trying to reach out to you, your number changed, your emails change because your emails change often.
5: Right. <laughs> they
1: do. Yeah. And <laughs> Once so, every
5: couple of months.
3: Maybe.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, oh fuck. Where the fuck you like is he?
5: Higher. You just come up with a better name. <clears throat> I don't know what it is. I, yeah. I think I'm just like I can't deal with it, and I delete it, and then it's. But it's usually like, you know, like bear mouth wolf mouth but like they're all kind of like similar you can figure
1: it out <laughs> i can just do it it's like
5: like running horse like horse teeth it's it's been like 15 of those different things like an animal in a body part or an animal doing something always at gmail so someone could probably guess my email you just
1: start sending them randomly. combinations yeah <laughs>
5: yeah
3: mongoose paranam. yeah that's a good i'm gonna do that tonight should. dude where are um, you with those songs now that that like like playing them like the songs that you were that got kept getting pushed back. Are You
5: cool with those tunes playing them? Uh, the the album that got pushed yeah. back. Um Well, we did we did some touring and it was cool, you know, mm-hmm. on the on the record. So you're, so you're really good at separating your art from. Are the, you talking uh, about the, the Lesser Oceans album that mm-hmm. got pushed back? Yes. Yeah. Um, I love. I mean, I love the songs. I think they're great. Um, and lyrically, they're very fun to to tell people. You know, I like i like saying those words while looking at um people looking back at me i think it's really fulfilling um the only one i didn't like doing was arrows you know because there was such repetitive lyrics but that's because my vocal was literally highlighted and then looped you know but the original story was like um two uh boys who were in love and like Australia were connected over like a Morrissey backpatch, which is not what the song is now. But, um,
1: that's an understatement. <laughs>
5: yeah. So, I mean, I, that kind of happened. Um, but it was cool because I thought, all right, well, I have this. At least I have nine other songs that are just totally what I want. But, um, like I said, uh, no regrets. It's all good. It's fine. I just would not, uh, probably do that again work with someone else you know large like that because you do get a little bit lost in it you know
1: well you thought it was going to be like you know it was going to be bootstraps you thought it was going to help you out and then it ended up becoming the mm-hmm. problem is is that like you caught it at that dude's like real peak mm-hmm. you know, it's like you got caught up in this thing that like he didn't even have any he felt like I mean stories that I've just heard from from you is just like he was spinning out too because he's at such a large level and he just doesn't even know what the fuck he's doing with himself and you get caught. So I put on that
5: wig and that nose. Yeah, ex- exactly.
1: <laughs> Oops. Yeah,
5: that was weird. But I mean, in in his defense, <laughs> like, I'm a witch. Nah, you're not. <laughs> you're not a witch. You're not a witch. That dude, he used to come to my house with like a jacket with like fringe and like a David Bowie painting on the back in like you know 2010. Like he's a, he's like that. Like he's you know wearing weird stuff all the time. And I think in his mind he had no idea. I mean, it was like
3: There's an unaware awareness. Thing. I mean, I yeah. don't
5: know the dude, but I know people who do not. A, not. But I mean, he lives in Seattle. I mean, the first time I ever saw a Hasidic Jewish man was when I came to New York. You will never see one in Seattle. So like he he maybe just had you no know, idea. Had books
3: there either or films. No,
5: nothing. <laughs> We just have like Nirvana records and coffee and like that big mountain. Umbrellas. Umbrellas. And lots
1: of fucking umbrellas and a gray sky. Just one big gray sky. I
5: mean, it's all the killing, right? That's exactly
1: what it is. <laughs> that's how, that's right? how it is. It's it's exactly.
3: Rain and Swedish dudes being American.
1: Swedish dudes being yo boys. Yeah. Yeah. It's
5: true. <laughs> but I mean, I will say if if uh, if Ben McLemore lived in New York, he would have noticed for sure. Yeah. Like if he lived in Brooklyn or something, he would have been like, whoa, I'm taking that off. Why? Why did you decide to move here? Uh, why did I move here? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. You know, there's. Why does anyone move to New yeah. York? You're just like <laughs> this biggest little... mistake I ever made. <laughs> yeah, I think I've moved back and forth a bunch of times. Honestly, um, I just moved from L. A. like four months ago. Okay. Um, which was the worst mistake ever. I was in L. A. for like only three months. Where were you? Uh, I was by like Laurel Canyon and stuff, like down in like the valley so like not in Hollywood or something like that it was pretty deep and it was really hot it was like 104 sometimes I couldn't stand it and I don't know how to drive so that'll do it I was just home you know Um, but yeah you want to move you think if I move everything will work itself out I just gotta move but it's like it doesn't work because you come with yourself what's up
3: what
4: is up? Uh, thank Good you. podcast. Great podcast. Good job there, dude. Thank you. Chris Thanks. was great. Thanks to Chris Fences for coming by. Thank you to Chris Norris. Hmm? Steak Mountain for coming by. Yeah. I wasn't sure which Chris you were talking about. Both Chris's. Both Chris's. Great job. Um, Chris What's Norris, Steak
3: Mountain, the world's greatest shit What's talker. What's the plural yes. of
4: Chris? Chris I? No, Chris. Chris. How Just many Chris, Chris did we have? We had two Chris, Chris on. The,
3: Chris, but then the apostrophe goes on the outside of the S. That's exactly. exactly. true. To yep. show possessive, which nobody does. Am I, am I wrong? I do that. You do that. And now I've heard, Brad, maybe you've heard this, and Jonah, you fall into this category, born in 79, (laughs) that if you are writing something and you use two spaces behind a period, people know how old you are. Well, Mm. you
4: do
0: that because I notice when I get notes from you, there's always two spaces. Yes. I I have to say, I don't know anything about what that says about age, but as somebody, I used to have a job where I had to correct text. And that drove me fucking nuts. And I hadn't seen it in a long time until I was recently <laughs> entering some tech. It was one. Of, it was like on one of the fucking... It was the notes for one of the podcasts. And you had written it. And I was like, fuck. Two spaces. He put two
3: spaces after every period. Drove you nuts?
0: Yeah, I don't know why. The reason it drove me, drove me nuts is because back when I used I used to have to clean it up. Like, I used to have to take them out. Like, I didn't really have to do, take them out for the notes for a podcast. But you're
3: supposed to, you were supposed to... You used to be. You used supposed to be supposed to. To, this vaguely sounds familiar from like high when school. When I learned typing... Not keyboard typing <laughs> when well, I learned it on a clickety clack machine. On a click? No, no, it was electric. <laughs> Still a clickety clack. Did, did you hear that? that to avoid um, cybercrime, Vladimir Putin has gotten rid of computers and he just brought in typewriters. That's awesome! Oh my god! He's and that's why they're so winning.
0: Smart. <laughs> that's fucking badass. <laughs> I think he just brought him because he has no fucking money. Yeah. Because he's bankrupting
3: his country. We're very angry with you. <laughs> I can't do a Russian accent. Fences. Good Fences.
4: Dude. Yeah. Check out. Check out Let's Hoskins. Check out all of all the Fences albums, and keep an eye out. It's, he's working on stuff now, so I think his next album is going to be great. Um, and hit us up everywhere. Hit, hit us up, yeah. Uh, donate a dollar. Go on Track. dot com if you want. Check us out on we're all on Twitter, Instagram. If all of you gave us a dollar,
3: that would be great. Just that $1, would be great. One fucking it's in your pocket now. Pretend Thank, it's a dollar coin. Thanks to everyone who. Uh, <laughs> Has come up to us and said they like the podcast. If you see Jonah, give him a dollar. And by us. Oh, by the way, someone did give me a dollar. No shit. Did they really?
4: I believe it was in Portland. Some guy was a big fan of the podcast. I took a picture with him and then he was like, I've never donated to the podcast. I love it. Here's a dollar. And he stuck it in my jacket and it felt a little degrading, but also felt good. (laughs) So, uh, thank you. I can't remember your name. but you bought um, a beer with it? No, I don't know. You can buy a beer with a dollar in Portland? No wonder (laughs) people move there. I don't know what I did with it. You tipped the bartender. I probably bought some sun chips with it at like a rest stop.
3: (laughs) It's important. Yes.
4: But yeah, thank you to that dude. You're awesome. Um, And everybody else who's donated, you're awesome. Everyone else who's donated, you're awesome. Uh, And we'll be back next week.